0: I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. Happy Monday out there. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, How are things going for you? Your relationship's good with your spouse, your kids, your neighbors, your coworkers, all the horizontal things working for you? How about your... Vertical relationship. We're going to talk about some of that today. My guest is Dr. Deb Waterbury. Uh, She's the author of numerous books, including the one we'll be discussing a bit today. Uh, But she's also the founder of what's called the Answer Biblical Counseling Center in Tucson, Arizona. And you don't have to be in Tucson to be a part of that, by the way. Uh, she also has an online certification course at the Academy of Biblical Counseling. She has a couple of weekly shows online, one called Real Life with Deb Waterbury, and the other one, Get Real with Deb Waterbury. So a bit of a thing, but I, so I've talked to m- multiple counselors, uh, psychologists, therapists, different things, Christian counselors, secular counselors. Ca- so we've got all these things. I know there's a lot, but um, I think I don't quite understand what a— Biblical counselor is, and what the difference is. So, Doctor Doctor Deb Waterbury, welcome to Life Today Live. Um, maybe kick us off by explaining what what is what is biblical counseling.
1: Um, it's really kind of intense discipleship, is another way of putting it. But because we have we do talk about Jesus, because we do talk about him being the answer and the freedom, there is no licensing available for a biblical counselor. There is absolutely no such thing. So um, that's why there is certification available instead, and you can do that at my academy. And there are other places to do it as well.
0: Is there a type of counseling? Is there one type of counseling that I mean is better than the other in the sense? Because if if you're a Christian, can you get anything from a secular counselor? Because I've talked to people who have. I'm just curious.
1: You know, I I don't, and there, I would never rank counselors. I think there are different needs. Okay. Um, I think that if the, and truthfully, if you're going to go see a secular counselor, you need to go try to, a psychotherapist, secular licensed counselor, and that's what you're looking for. Then try to find a Christian licensed counselor, because you're going to get the same thing on either side of that. Just a Christian licensed counselor is going to be having that Christian lens. Mm. So that's what you're looking for, which is really a therapy, long-term relationship. I mean, you'll people see their Christian and or secular counselors for years at a time, because it really is more about managing your issues, managing the problems that you're having. And if that's really what you're looking for as a believer, look for a Christian counselor. Mm. If, however, you are looking for freedom, there's an issue that you got, you know, biblical counselors, you do not see us for longer than five, six months at a time. If I see someone for longer than that, then I'm pretty sure I have messed up because they do not need me, they need Jesus. So it's very, very temporary. Um, so if you're looking for freedom and you're looking for the tools to be able to move on your own and not have someone that you have to go see all the time, then a biblical counselor is the way to go. Okay.
0: Good, good to know. And I, you know, however, if you need help, however you're getting help, I think that's a good start. Uh, yeah. But it is also good to know that there are different sort of specialties and and angles uh absolutely and i'm one that i mean i'm i'm all for getting help wherever you can get help but i think if you don't if you don't get to jesus eventually you're only (laughs) gonna get so far
1: that's exactly right that's exactly right and I, i i was explaining this to you earlier and i say it in my office all the time i feel like you can either secular or christian counseling if i don't get to the place where i get to talk about jesus being freedom because you're not getting to freedom. You're getting just this far. And there's this whole area over here that's being left out that literally moves in freedom. It's like you get to managing, and I have some tools, but I don't get to freedom. Jesus is the only place we're going to get that. So we've got to get there if that's where we're going to go. And unfortunately, you're a little more limited in Christian counseling and definitely in secular counseling to be able to go past that barrier.
0: Yeah, and and I kind of think of (laughs) it— Take this with a grain of salt, people. Okay, I'm not an expert on this. I am just one guy with an opinion that probably doesn't matter a whole lot. But when I hear, uh, you know, like Alcoholics Anonymous, 12-step program, which I know is based on biblical principles, and but yet they always introduce themselves as, you know, hi, I'm Randy, I'm an alcoholic, or I'm, I'm an addict.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, it, as long as you're in the higher power realm, the generic higher power realm, I think, yeah, you're always a recovering addict. And I know it's also... Good for it's helpful for a lot of people to remind themselves, but there's a point where you go, okay, I'm a new creation in Christ. Don't call, don't call me an addict anymore. Amen. <laughs> you know. Amen.
1: That is exactly right. You know, one of my son is a recovered alcoholic. And he is actually now serves as the COO of my 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 center, and he is a counselor here as well. And it helps men and women who are dealing with addiction, trauma that because he was also in the Afghanistan war. Mm. So he also has all that going on, too. But his big thing with AA that even before he became a counselor, but he is a believer, was that he did not like two things. I do not want to call myself an alcoholic because that is not my identity. Mm. And I do not like just talking about a higher power because it is Jesus. Mm. And so that's who I want to talk about. And so from that, even my son, in the midst of his alcoholism, refused to call himself an alcoholic because that's not who he is. Mm. It was it was it's a disease that he was suffering from, yeah. but it certainly is not his identity. So yes, I think you're right. You end up here at this place where identity is left to the issues as opposed to moving past the barrier into where is my real identity.
0: Yeah, yeah. And if you're on that journey, by the way, don't feel like you're, we're saying that you're in any way doing something wrong or missing it. No, you got to no. walk on your journey, but I think you do got to get to Jesus at some point if you Amen. really want the, the, all the good stuff that, that Amen he's got for you. Okay. That's right. All right. So maybe I'm not too far off after all. I've learned oh, a few you're things.
1: Not, you're right there.
0: <laughs> it's, it's from talking to people like you that, that <laughs> I hopefully I'm not completely ignorant. All right. I, I want to talk about your book, A Crack in My Vertical. Uh, right, I'm very right. interested in that. I do have a quick question from the audience that I want to hit real quick. Um, are you affiliated with the National Christian Counselors Association?
1: Yes. Um, well, I am affiliated. The rest of my counselors, the Christian Counseling Association, are licensed counselors. Okay. So, um, and that's, and I am affiliated with Christ, Licensed Christian Counseling, but I operate as a certified biblical counselor. Okay. So, um, I wouldn't be able to do what I do as a licensed Christian counselor. So, those are two different organizations. All
0: right. If someone is not in the Tucson area uh, and they're looking for a counselor, do you have a recommendation for them or do you have people outside of Tucson?
1: I actually, we at our center see people all over the world. So um, I don't actually know of too many other. I do like in Missouri. There's a couple of places I know in some states. But for the most part, biblical counseling is is fairly rare. But yes, we see um, people all over the world. So if somebody doesn't mind doing a Zoom session, which is how we see people. We've got a client in New New Zealand right now, which is interesting. Time difference, but um, yeah, we will do Zoom, telephone, um, however it works out. So, yeah, they can just go to theansweraz.com okay. and fill out a contact form, and we can get right, get them with a counselor. And I have counselors that specialize from four year olds all the way up marriage counseling, teens, children, women, men, everybody. I've got somebody for everybody.
0: Okay, good to know. I want to let that person know that. Uh, Marcy, you got the information, theansweraz.com. Uh, and <laughs> what what do you do, Doctor Waterbury? It's time for your two a.m. New Zealand counseling session. <laughs> Pretty
1: much, yes. That's exactly what happens. <laughs>
0: oh, that's awesome. Okay, to the book. I showed it a second ago. A crack in my vertical uh, that is out now. What are you What are you exploring in in this particular?
1: Well, you know, I, I wrote a crack in my vertical out of necessity. Um, in in my office, I I knew I needed a piece of literature and we do Bible study with our clients uh, because it keeps us grounded in God's word while we're doing therapy. And I needed a Bible study that explored the idea of being centered as a believer. That I I may be angry, I may be frustrated, may be fearful, I may feel those things, but I should not live in those things as a believer. And the only way to to not live in those things as a believer is if my vertical relationship with Christ and with my father is intact and based in, in the knowledge of God's word. So I began to see in my own personal life that if I was angry with somebody and I lived in that anger, then now it is an issue of a vertical thing. It's not that problem, that person anymore. I have now lost sight of my identity because I'm responding to a situation instead of responding in who I am. So I wrote this book to address that with my clients because I couldn't find one that did that. And that's kind of what I do. I mean, 15 books later, if I can't find one that I need, I just write it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let me get into the hard questions because you talk about love, joy, peace, contentment, and harmony. Okay. Mm-hmm. If, say, and I'm I'm not just hypothetical. If I am in a marriage where I have, uh, I don't know, an abusive, addicted, alcoholic spouse,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it there goes all harmony in that relationship. Uh, you're probably not very content with that. It's hard to love them. Uh, not a lot of peace in that house, and it can be pretty miserable. Yes. How is that my fault? And with my, you know, my relationship with God and not the fault of that spouse.
1: That's very, that's a great question. You just pretty much gave me what half my clients are going through right now. <laughs> so, you know, there is a, um, first off, no, nobody stays in an abusive relationship. If you're physically abused, um, we tell you get out and we have all kinds of sources that we'll send people to. We don't want anybody in an abusive relationship. However, there is a place even in the midst of the most dire circumstances that I can still be at peace in a peaceless environment. I can still be living in a state of love in a loveless environment because if I'm fully focused on Christ and it's not about being your fault, it's about refocusing. So if I'm married to an alcoholic and he's not abusing me physically, alcoholic, but he says mean things, you know, there's no joy in the relationship. I can either allow my spouse's brokenness to affect me and cause me to live in his brokenness or I can see his brokenness for what it is, and I'm over here living in what who I am in the peace, love, joy, contentment, and harmony that is available in Christ. That doesn't mean my house is that, and it certainly doesn't mean that I'm not going to feel all those things occasionally, but I can live in an undercurrent, almost like a baseline, because I'm so secure over here. And if I cannot move to that, then I need to go back to my father and look at him. When I was writing this book and I asked in the Lord, Father, how can I feel love when I don't feel loved? How can I love someone who's not lovable. How can I do those things? God never told me how to do that. He kept pointing me back to himself and showing him how much, showing me how much he loved me. When I asked him about where I can find peace, he didn't tell me how to do that. He showed me his peace. So everything was about God going, No, 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 look at me. I need you to look at me. Forget this. It's it's kind of like when you have a child, you know, and he's having a meltdown. And you know there's nothing you can do because they are just melting down. I remember I would do this to my boys. I would take their little faces in my hands and go, no, no, baby, just look at me. Look at mama. Just look at me. And I feel like that's what God does whenever I'm being lost in someone else's brokenness. And he's going, no, 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 Deb, look at me. I just need you to look at me. And then I can get back to my centered place.
0: That that sounds great.
1: (laughs) It's not easy.
0: (laughs) And that's my question is – is how hard is it for people and and what are the biggest things that get them past past that hump that that gets them to the other side where they can actually do that
1: mm, it's it, and again i please let me stress not easy it's simple but it's not easy not complicated but very difficult. And and truthfully, I, mean, I don't think on this side of glory we're ever going to do it perfectly. Um, I have good days and bad days. Sometimes I respond to my husband wrong and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I remember who I am and sometimes I just get lost in the situation and I have to remind myself to bring myself back. The good thing is, and the more you do this, and this is what I show my clients in the office, is this is not a, you know, magic pixie dust. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to give you a tool and you're going to be able to go out and do it, go do it. This is Practicing and breaking habitual thoughts. And it literally goes back to instead of this, I'm going to do this. And you're not going to do that at first. And, you know, I, I read this beautiful quote the other day that said the measure of a person's spiritual maturity is not how many times he falls. It is how quickly he realizes that he fell. And I love that because it goes straight into what I'm talking about right now. I'm, i am It's not that I do this often very well, but the closer I get to my relationship being vertical the way it's supposed to, mm. there's less time where I go, oh, darn it, I just did it again. Oh, darn it, I just did it again. There's less time for that. So, I mean, it's a lifelong practice. But if you don't know it, you don't know to go to it.
0: Yeah, and the proverb says it's, it's not how many times you fall, it's how many times you get up.
1: Amen. Yeah, That's exactly right. right. Mm-hmm. Now,
0: in, in this book, you get pretty personal.
1: <laughs> That's my MO. <laughs> yeah.
0: What are some of the things that um, tested your vertical? Oh.
1: <sighs> My identity was, you know, this is the second book in a trilogy of books of of kind of Christian self help books. Um, The first one was The Lies That Bind and The Truth That Sets You Free. And that was a book about identity. Um, That was obviously what did it for me. Became a believer when I was 11. I was sexually molested by some boys when I was 12. And then all my identity went away. And for the next 28, 29 years, I was lost to trying to find a way to feel better, Mm -hmm. Um, when in reality, my identity was set when I was 11. But I lost sight of what that was because of outside circumstances. So I think it is all about this identity issue. And that's what did it to me. And I think that's what does it to everybody. Mm -hmm. So I had to write the lies that bind the truth that sets you free first and so, but then the problem becomes, okay, now I know who I am in Christ. Now I understand that. Why am I still angry all the time? Mm-hmm. Why am I still so sad? Which made the second book necessary, The Crack of My Vertical. The one that I'm writing now is the third one, and it's called Being a Square Peg in a Round Hole. So now that I understand my identity and I kind of understand how to go back to my vertical, how do I live in a world that absolutely doesn't know this and will test me and try me all the time? Yeah. And that's that's the one that's coming.
0: So. Did you make a shift from one type of counseling to another?
1: You know, um, I when I went through all my garbage after that 28 years of real self-destructive behavior, um, I was mandated to go to a biblical counselor by my church as part of the church discipline that I was under for all the stuff that I had done and had gotten found out about all of that stuff. Um, So that was my first experience and exposure to biblical counseling, and believe me, freedom, I don't even know how to explain the freedom that I walked in after a period of time with my biblical counselor. So I have only ever been to a biblical counselor. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never, I've done a lot of research and actually I'm affiliated with Christian counseling and licensed Christian counseling, but I've never been to one. I I just don't know why I would stop there <laughs> when when I I've experienced where freedom comes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like I know where it is. I don't I don't want to stop on that journey, and I don't want anybody else to do that either.
0: I, I don't know your full backstory. So when you, when you you made an allusion to some things that sound uh,
1: well, bit, I am very. Uh, you said that I was. You said I was. Um, what did you say? I was very open and something in the book, and yeah. that's. That is truly, read the lies that bind. You want to, that's, that's, that's some open stuff. But I find that my past and the things that I have done wrong, and then the pe- people can then see, and, and there are people still here in Tucson that knew me 25 years ago when I was right in the middle of all that stuff. So for them to see what God can do with a person like me, so that, you know, 25 years later, I'm running six businesses, all of which are about the ministry of the Lord, and I get to do stuff all over the world. It is such hope. And, I, and it also makes me, uh, you know, every single woman that comes in here and she has a terrible past, I get so excited. I'm just like, this is the best past ever because you've got so many tools. You've got so many people you can help because you've had experience there.
0: Yeah, and, and that's where I was going. I, I don't need to hear all the details. People want to read your books. So they can get some of those. But I, I'm curious about the, the before and after. Mm. Like when you look at Deb Waterbury before, which <laughs> led you to a path that was not healthy, Mm self-destructive, hurting others. And you look at the Deb Waterbury since kind of contrast the two.
1: You know, I think the Deb Waterbury now is, is at peace. Um, The funny thing is, is that, you know, I just have a client who right now who knew me back then Um, and now is coming to me now, which is interesting in and of itself, (laughs) but she was asking me, we were going through The Lies That Bind, and there's a chapter in there about being strong, and what that looks like, and so I asked her, I said, do you what do you remember? Do you think I was strong 25 years ago? And she was like, yes. And she just went through this guy, you know, you could do anything and you did anything. I was the same person. I said, do you think I'm strong now? She said, yes. And I said, so where do you think the difference is? And of course she wouldn't know because what she saw was I was good at hiding all the stuff that was happening. So people would have seen the same, you know, loud mouth, obnoxious woman that I am now. And believe me, I am. And I know that. And I was the same then as I am now. It's just, I do it now from the safety of my father's lap. I mean, I really feel like that's where I am now. Whereas there, Deb was standing there trying to juggle everything on her shoulders and that eventually all fell down. Um, I'm just at peace now. I think that's the difference. But from the outside, you might not notice. (laughs) <laughs> because but I'm you, so loud.
0: <laughs> you, the, thing, the thing is, is, is we're all good at presenting that external.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, that you Especially if the inter- in
1: church community. Ooh, we're good at it at church. In
0: church. Yeah. And and any place where there's a little bit of, I think, external pressure to, you know, but it's, it's the inside that, I mean, that's, that's what Jesus cares about the most. Yes. And that's well, what would- eventually comes to the surface.
1: Yep. And I was miserable, miserable. Uh, I mean, miserable. I can't even describe the misery (laughs) that I was in. So much so that when everything I had been doing was found out, I felt utter relief. Even though my life was over, like literally I was about to lose almost everything because of my own behavior. Um, I remember sitting on my couch and feeling like the weight of the world had just been lifted off because I no longer had to hide anything else. And so from that, the Lord could take me at my weakest, most destitute place and say, okay, little girl, are you ready to look at me now? <laughs> Which I was at the end of my rope and, I'm, and I said, sure, whatever, I got nothing else. And I, you know, it's not like God was, he just was gonna wait patiently until I stopped thinking I was large and in charge. <laughs> and, and then he literally brought me back to him. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful story of redemption, but ba- man, was I a miserable person.
0: I, I think where a lot of people get stuck is, is a little bit of what you alluded to, which is if if this comes out or if I tell people about yes. this, it's going to ruin everything. Yes. And even though sort of subconsciously you kind of go, uh, you know, I could see some benefit maybe in the, It's just hard to do that. You, oh
1: it, my goodness. You do, nobody and wants to.
0: So what do you say to that person who is miserable right now,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: holding on to what little they have left
1: mm.
0: out of fear or out of pride or whatever it is? How do you, how do you get somebody to go, okay, look, let it all crash and burn so God can build it back in, in the That's, right way? Uh,
1: it is a, it's a difficult thing to do, but it really is. It's an illusion of control because, you know, I think I was in control and I wasn't, I was being controlled. But that whole, you know, making sure Peter doesn't know about Paul and Amy doesn't know about Susan and all the stuff and juggling the balls and spinning the plates and all the things that we do, we think we're in control when actually we're being controlled by these circumstances and these people and the desires that we have. Um, It is literally realizing it is an illusion of control and that you are being controlled. But I'll tell you this, and I'll be honest, uh, it is next to impossible. To be the one to step up and say, all right, I'm just going to talk about it, which is why we we need to be thankful that we have a God that loves us so much that he will do just as he said to Mordecai in the book of Esther, you have gone this far and no further. And at that point, he'll just say, all right, I'm going to have to let things crash and I'll be right here to catch you. And he'll do that, not out of punishment ever, 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 but because he loves us so very much.
0: I'm working on a book about the idea of kingdom which is all through the scripture and and i've been struggling with a few concepts uh in that and just trying to you know get it right and not just come up with my idea and throw a verse in to back it up i hate that approach um and i go to church yesterday for the first time in weeks because i've been out of town or last week i was taking my daughter to the airport she booked a flight right during church time so <laughs> i hadn't been in, i hadn't been in a while and my pastor was starting a new, a nine-month series on the kingdom.
1: Holy cow! <laughs> I
0: looked at my wife and I said, I can't even believe. Because on Saturday I've been going through scriptures and writing down my questions and trying to, you know, like, okay, I got to, I got to research this more, and I got, I want to go talk to another friend, a theologian. And I'm like, I, I got some questions for him, and then my my pastor started. I'm like, okay, God, God he trying to help me out here? <laughs> And here's, here's one of the things that, that I, I've been kind of struggling with is this idea of of salvation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But then you look at it, the idea of, of kingdom having power. That's one thing Paul says about it. It has power. Um, it has a lot of things in the Christian life that a lot of Christians don't have.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't even always have. So, I mean, I'm not pointing fingers, you know, right? And I'm like, what is this gap between salvation? You know, Mm. because it says things like, you know, thieves and adulterers and murderers and homosexuals can't inherit the kingdom of God. But yet, we know a thief on the cross had salvation.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. So
0: anyone salvation is always so. It's like there's there's somewhere there's this this gap between the grace that saves and the the faith that is is a whole different level of, amen. Life on this earth, which I would yeah. call walking in the kingdom, and yes. most of the parables were about. There's more parables about kingdom, I think, than anything else. I haven't. There's like fourteen of them. But mm-hmm. my point being, there's there's this gap. Yes. And I think you're touching on it, that gap a little bit, because you're dealing with miserable Christians. <laughs> you yes. know. Yes the what
1: do, what do oxymoron should not even be a word a phrase
0: right right what what is going on in in that in that space between salvation and actually having all the fruit of the spirit
1: yes I and that's that's why I have a job right now as a biblical counselor and why I have this center because there's such a gap yeah. and I think the gap comes from from um, Well, we're not walking, obviously, in our identity, but the gap mostly comes because I'm being so influenced by a world that seems like the right thing. Or it seems like this is what is real because it's in my face all the time. And so politics, people, relationships, all those things are just right here all the time. And because those are right here all the time, I have to make a physical, I mean, even think about looking up. You have to physically make yourself look up. I naturally look out. I naturally see the world. Mm. I naturally see everything through Deb lens at the world. So in order to make myself focus off of self and onto God, I, it is a concerted effort. It, it's the reason why I think salvation happens. We're justified the moment we're saved, but there's that that before we get to glory, that sanctification process is, I believe. What Solomon talked about in Proverbs 2 when he said, do you want the wisdom of the Lord? Then you've got to look for it like you're searching for gold, like you're looking for buried treasure. I think that's the process of sanctification where I have to intentionally get to that. And there's a big gap because what we think is it's just going to rain down and fall on me, and it does not do that. I have to move toward intentionally forget old habits, change the ways I've thought, the way the world tells me to respond, and move myself, like literally intentionally with this, with decision move myself back to that vertical and it takes decision it's not something dr. Deb can say and you're gonna get it it's literally I want this I will do what I need to do and see what I need to see and read what I need to read and be who I need to be so that I can live in that and it is a process it's sanctification
0: I need to look up that Solomon reference cuz you know Jesus said it's like the kingdom of heaven is like a man who discovers a treasure in a field and sells everything to buy that field yeah we don't we don't so i realize one of the things one of my problems i think a lot of people do this is you the relationship with jesus is uh is is good except that when he says something like bless those who curse you pray for those (laughs) who curse you i i i go do i actually do that no because my reaction is somebody curses me is to curse them back but i'm that's not the christian thing to do so what do i do instead I just let it go. I ignore Mm. them. I cut them out of my life. I don't allow for any negative influences. That's actually not the Christian thing to do either.
1: It isn't. I know. But that's the worldly thing to do. And it sounds right. It sounds like the right thing to do. Because what you're doing right there is protecting self. Yeah. And everything the world will tell you is it's good to protect self. And so then you're left here in the middle with yourself and (laughs) That that is not the place anybody wants to be. So when I'm when I do what you are and you're right, it sounds exactly right. What the Bible would tell me to do is to deny myself mm. and to pick up my cross every day and deny myself and carry it every single day. So that's what I'm supposed to do. Which means then I must love those who curse me, that I have to bless those well, and literally that that's outside of self.
0: It, well, it, and and blessing isn't just saying, "Well, bless you,"
1: as no. I curse you
0: internally and drive away. <laughs> exactly. It like, means going out of your way to find a way to do something good for that person, praying to God for the best for that person. I don't, I don't really. naturally do that. And frankly, I don't think I do. that. And it makes me go, is, is that gap between salvation and kingdom living my own disobedience? And I just don't realize it.
1: I, I think it's, and I think it's not an intentional look for the Holy Spirit and the Lord. The only ones are going to be able to do that. You and I do not have within us the ability to do what you just talked about, not to live in bitterness, even if I don't openly curse them to not be bitter, even if I want to do something nice for them and I'm still thinking poorly about them, that is as far as I can go. But with the Holy Spirit and with the Lord, God will take that heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh, which means I've got to move in obedience in order to open the door for that. If I do not, the door remains closed and I have no opportunity to hear Holy Spirit and have him influence my heart instead of myself.
0: Uh yeah, I think you're exactly right. I may have it's some a- cracks. I may need to call the the answer A Z. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all
1: have cracks, I'm telling you. That's what I tell my clients. Look at I got nothing for you. Absolutely nothing. I am as broken as the next person. However, I do know the one who can heal you and I wanna take you to him. Um that's the beauty of being a biblical counselor is I don't ha I don't have the answers in myself, but I know where they are and I found them myself. So let me show you that. Yeah.
0: All right. This has been this has been very good, hopefully very productive. Someone wants to follow up with you. Um, this is your website. It is the answeraz.com. Uh, and and they can tell them all, what all they can do because I know you've got like free book excerpts and you got your shows and other things. Well,
1: they're going to, the answeraz.com will take them to the answer website, which is my center. If okay. they want to find out about everything else I do, then they'll need to go to debwaterbury.com. And debwaterbury.com will have all the links to the academy, to the answer, to my school in Africa, to my online stores, to my shows, to my books. Everything is at debwaterbury.com.
0: So you're still doing the the Africa thing, yeah?
1: Oh, yeah. My school is, um, we're just about to graduate our 10th class.
0: Explain that because that is fascinating to me and I'm finding your website. There it is.
1: Yeah, it's a trade school for impoverished women We teach them. uh, We don't I don't even know how to sew So it's not me that teaches them but somebody at that school teaches them how to be a tailor and in six months they get tailoring um, Education as well as education in accounting and business So that at the end of six months they get the machine that they've been sewing on and a starter kit And then they go out and start their own businesses and it's literally bringing entire villages out of poverty with, with just one woman and one machine in a little village and it brings commerce into the village and everybody in the village ends up opening some kind of business and it just brings entire villages out I mean it's amazing I love it. one woman and one machine can do
0: I love it have you moved outside Malawi yet or is that still primarily Malawi? not yet
1: we're still looking to I need to build them a new school so we're trying to raise money to build them a new school and then we're working on getting them self-sustaining so that then I can use all the proceeds that I put there and open another school
0: love it uh we got some people on the ground i think they're on their way back from angola now but that kind of thing would work in a lot of places that kind of thing would work oh yes, yes so yes. very cool all right this is debwaterbury.com looks just like this debwaterbury.com it's in the chat as well if you're live uh only give you the last words anything i missed anything you want to say before i let you go it's been a very productive conversation and i thank you for it
1: no thank you so much for the time you know i i think the only last thing i would say is it's, it's just really all about Jesus, and I know we've said that over and over again, but none of us have anything outside of my, our Savior, and the love he has for us is all about him. It's not about us. It's about him, and it's free, and it's never-ending and non-contingent. It's just a beautiful thing. We just got to tap into that and, and remember what it means.
0: Sounds like good news.
1: <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the
0: the best news ever, Doctor Deb Waterbury. Thank you so much for being with us. I appreciate you.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: And I appreciate all you guys out there watching, um, hanging through a little bit of. Tech at the top of it. I'm going to fix it on uh, hopefully on YouTube and definitely on a Rumble, so you can always check out a Rumble channel. But do check out Dr. Waterbury's latest it's book. Always it's going to help you. Uh, and lots of great world. resources DebWaterbury.com and TheAnswerAZ.com. You come back. It's we'll see you again tomorrow real. here on Life um, Today Live. Um, um, to
1: choose to bend our
0: to choose to It is always possible the Nobody can prevent you from doing the will of God.